So as Josh said, we are in the book of Acts. If uh, you're new with us, uh, we, have, we started from chapter 1, and we are in Acts chapter 3 today. So beginning from the uh, first chapter, we saw that Jesus went back to the Father, and he sent the Holy Spirit to his disciples. And they start going around saying that this Jesus, whom you killed, is risen, um, and he's the one who sent this Holy Spirit on us. And in order to be saved, you need to, be, you need to repent of your sins and come back to him. And last week we saw that this group of believers who, who was believing that this Jesus was killed by their brothers, the Jews, uh, was uh, raised by God, this group of people, uh, their number is increasing, they're devoted to Lord Jesus, they're devoted to his teachings, to the fellowship, and that's where we are, and we're going to read an incident that happens in this community. Peter and John were headed to the temple one day, um, afternoon, around three, they were headed there for a time of prayer, it seemed like any other day, and they come, they, they come across this lame man who, whom uh, they would have seen every time they headed to the ch- uh, temple. And instead of giving, them any, giving him any money, he tells them, uh, Peter tells the lame man, look at us, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, walk up. Oh, wait, <laughs> get up and walk. Uh, this... Uh, creates a commotion in the temple. Um, They walk through the gates into the courtyard, and people there recognize this person, that this person was there sitting outside begging every day, and he's walking and jumping, going inside with Peter and John, hanging on to Peter and John. And this place that they find themselves in, uh, Solomon's Colonnade or Porch, as different translations put it, this was a, a marketplace, kind of, outside the temple where people exchanged currencies, sold temple-related stuff, like cattle for sacrifice and so on. And it's, to put it in, in our day, it's something like Brunsbachen. It's people everywhere, it's shopping. It's uh, uh, busy, and if you know of beggars at Brunsbach, and if you have been there a few times, you may be familiar with people who are frequent there. It's something like that. Everyone knew who this lame man was, and now he's walking. And Peter finds, finds himself in this situation where something has happened, there's a commotion, he has some explaining to do. It's similar to Acts chapter 2, where we saw the Holy Spirit came upon them. They start speaking in tongues. There's a crowd outside, and they're confused. These men of Kilili, we think they're drunk. But then Peter has to do some explaining there on what, what just happened. Something similar here. So, if you have your Bibles, if you can turn with me, or your phones, to uh, Acts chapter 3, verse 11. We can read 
what Peter spoke to them after th this happened, this miracle happened. So it's a long passage, and as we read through it, keep an eye on uh, things like when Peter says Jesus was raised from the dead, or when he says this servant or this Messiah was the one promised in the Old Testament when he refers to the Old Testament. It keeps, us, keep, keeps it easy to keep track if we keep an order of these things while I read. So read with me from chapter uh, 3, verse 11. I'm reading from the NIV translation. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we have made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant, Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. Indeed, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets who have spoken have foretold these days. And you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, Through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. Shall we look to the Lord in prayer? Our Father, our God, we pray that you would help us understand your word. Jesus, help us to see you, the risen Lord. Holy Spirit, open our eyes that we can see the wonderful things out of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Okay, we're going to use uh, this concluded state statement by Peter to reflect on what Peter spoke to the people there. Uh, we'll use this as a basis to understand what he has been telling them. So he, he concludes like this, when God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways, from your sinful ways. So what he's saying is, Jesus was raised from the dead to bless you by turning you from your wickedness. Starts by saying, when God raised up his servant. This was a reality that shook their understanding of their world. They were happily walking with Jesus, but suddenly he's killed by the Jews and the Romans in the most brutal way they knew. And in three days, he's gone from his tomb. He's risen. And this changed their whole world. It turned it upside down. And this forms the basis of their life now. In Acts 2, when Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to them, and Peter explains this to them, he tells like this, Jesus was raised, is now exalted on the right hand of God. He received the Holy Spirit and sent the Holy Spirit to us. Holy Spirit to us. See that Jesus raised in heaven, he sent us the Holy Spirit. And here, now this incident happens and he tells the people, Jesus was raised by God, he healed this man, this lame man. The New Testament is filled with the resurrection. When Jesus served uh, three years, he kept saying, I'm going to be killed. I'm going to die, but I'm going to come back. I'll come back in three days. They didn't understand it back then. And this happens, and then the disciples go all, all over the world saying this, that Jesus, he died, but he rose up. The, if you look at all the preachers in, in Acts, this is the same thing going on. For example, when Peter goes to the first non-Jewish home, or in the first non-Jewish context, when he shares this good news, this is how he puts it. In Acts chapter 10, verse 39, we are witness of everything he did in the country of Jews, in Jerusalem, and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging, hanging him on a cross, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed as judge of the living and the dead. Something very similar when Paul is in Athens, when he pre preaches to a non-Jewish context again, to a bunch of skeptics, he, he tells like this. In the past... God overlooked such ignorance and now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. 
when they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered. But others said, we want to hear you again. Not very different from the reaction we would have, right? If we would say someone is risen from the dead. Imagine going around saying, oh, this person I knew was dead. You all saw him being killed, but now he's risen back from dead. That's how foundational the resurrection of Jesus was to them. All their hope was set on this, all their hope in life and death. And that's what Peter says like this. You killed the author of life, the person who made life, the person because of whom life exists. You killed that person, but God raised him from the dead. We are witness of this. And, since, and it's because it is so central to this, Paul says like this, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless, it's useless, it's futile. You're still in your sense. See how the good news, the gospel, it's all about the cross and the resurrection and, and the grace and mercy that flow, flows to us from that. And that's why Paul said, I decided to know nothing among you but Jesus and him crucified. It was that central to them. This was the good news. It's not about some instructions on how we could reach God, but this is a declaration of how God reached us, what he did to reach us. It's a news of something that happened in the past. That's why we call it good news. It's a news of something that Jesus did on the cross, of him raising the dead. We can't do anything about the news. It comes to us. We receive the blessing that comes from a news. It's not good instructions. It's good news. The gospel is good news, something that Jesus did on the cross. So, when we say we believe in Jesus, that we are saved through him, what we're saying is we believe in Jesus raising from the dead. Imagine that saying 2,000 years after that happened. If someone asks us, do you know that Jesus, how do you know Jesus raised from the dead? Is raised from the dead. What would you say? Well, I think there are two aspects to this. One is the personal experience. We experience the risen Jesus in us when he transforms us, when we receive his salvation. Our lives are transformed it's a testimony of the risen Jesus walking in our lives to make us more like him. It's Christ in us. We are the temple of the living God. The second aspect is the historical aspect of it. It's just like knowing, did Julius Caesar exist? Did he really live on earth? If we take the Bible, not as scripture, but just as any historical document. Like any Greek text from the first century, this is what most historians would agree, most historians and critics, not Christian scholars, but historians, secular historians. They would agree that Jesus was crucified and buried in a tomb 
the tomb of Jesus was found to be empty by women followers, many people said that they saw the risen Jesus, and many times in groups, his disciples believed Jesus was risen, and they went around the world, even to their deaths. What would be the best explanation for these historical incidents? If not, that Jesus was risen and his disciples saw him risen. Well, Christianity is deeply rooted in history, and we can look back in history and say this happened. Over the centuries, there have been a lot of attempts to, to say this is not true. Many people say, well, it's made-up stories. But then, I think if this was a made-up story, a story made up by humans, they, would have, they should have done a better job here. Uh, first, the resurrection stories are filled with doubts and confusions among the disciples. And if this was a story made by humans to prove that Jesus is risen, they should have not included that in there. And definitely, it should not have been women who were the first witnesses, especially in first century Jewish society, where women were not valued as much as men. A woman's witness was not valued as much as man's testimony or witness in a court. And definitely someone better than, with a better reputation than Mary Magdalene. Uh, it should have been maybe Paul or Luke, someone with a PhD or a doctor. Uh, if it was Gothenburg, it should have been someone from either Estra said or maybe Shalmas. Then you could say the story is trustworthy. But they were completely from underprivileged societies. Remember in Acts 2 when people said, oh, these are men of Galilee. Oh, they must be drunk saying gibberish, but that's how God makes the story, takes the underprivileged, maybe places like Biscop's Garden or Berion, that's where, that's the equivalent of Galilee, where people are underprivileged, not as well educated as in Jerusalem or so. So it can't be made up, and even if it was made up, who would die for a lie, for a made up story? Most of the disciples went to the deaths saying the story that Jesus died but came back to life. So we could say that we could find many people could find many explanations but looking back to history it's a fact that these incidents happened and the best explanation without throwing our brains out of the window is that Jesus was killed and he came back to life. And I think there's sufficient compelling evidence for that, for the resurrection. And if you would like to read uh, more on this, uh, a good place to start would be John Stott's work, Basic Christianity. Or in our age and time, we have a lot of philosophers and scholars working on this. One of the person I quote here is William Lane Craig, uh, he says the resurrection of Jesus is a solid rock on which Christians can take the this, take this stand when we say that Jesus is God who came as human. And see what Peter is doing here. 
he witnessed the resurrection, and now he's being a witness to the resurrection, telling people, Jesus is risen. Remember what Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, when he said, you will be my witnesses when you receive the Spirit. And that's what Peter is doing here. He's being a witness to the resurrection. And that's what we are also called as children of God, as people who have experienced this resurrection in us. We, as people who have seen this resurrection in history, God calls us to be witnesses to this resurrection. Let's move on. So, Peter says, when God raised up a servant, he sent him to you to bless you. Let's take a moment and see what Peter is doing here in his talk. Um, he quotes extensively from the Old Testament. What he's doing here is, oh, this is not a random event that just happened in our days here. God has been telling about this since the beginning of time. He's been telling about this throughout the scripture, throughout the Old Testament. This Jesus didn't randomly pop up now in our times and he proved himself to be God, but he was fulfilling the Old Testament, the scriptures. Let's look at this. In verse 18, he says like this, God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. For Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me. Verse 24, indeed, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets who have spoken have foretold these days. And finally, he says like this. He said to Abraham, that's God said to Abraham, through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. So what Peter is saying is, here is, this was God's plan all along. God's plan was to bless you. And that blessing came to you through Jesus. It's the fulfillment of the whole scripture. The whole of Old Testament points to him. So, how does God, God want to bless you? Uh, what does it mean to be blessed by God? Peter says, wants to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways, from your sinful ways. Oh, that's not a popular thing to say. What if Peter was here saying, going around saying, oh, you need to repent of your sinful ways, of your wicked ways. Oh, that's not nice. <laughs> but that's the truth. Sin is the fact of uh, human experience, as John Stott put, put it. Here is a quote from his uh, book, Basic Christianity. John Stott puts it like this. Much that we take for granted in a civilized society is actually based upon the assumption of human sin. Nearly all legislation has grown up because we simply cannot be trusted to settle our disputes with justice and without self-interest. A promise is not enough. We need a contract. Those are not enough. We have to lock and bolt them. The payment of fares is not enough. Tickets have to be issued, inspected, and collected. Law and order are not enough. 
We need the police to enforce them. All this is due to our sin. We cannot trust one another. We need protection against one another. It's a terrible indication of what human nature is, is really like. Sin is universal. It affects all of us. What is sin? Well, the Bible puts it like this. Two ways to say it. One way to say it is anyone who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. James, in the book of James. And on, on the other side, everyone who sins breaks the law. So breaking the law is sin. What law? Different people have different standards. But then again, the Bible is clear on that. People of the scripture, with the word of God, they have broken the law of God. People without the scripture, they break their conscience, the law of their conscience. So no matter whether you have the word of God or not, everyone breaks the law of God. And they know it. They break the, the, the standards they have for, for themselves. And that is why we need a savior, a savior to save us from our sins, from ourselves. And that's what Peter's saying here. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Well, different people look to different things to have meaning, to have times of refreshing, to find purpose in different things. Some people find it in relationships, family, children. It's nothing bad, but it has its limits. Others, being in our consumeristic society, find it in the things they own, they find their value in the things they own. We find times of refreshing, maybe shopping at Brunswaken. Others find it in their careers, status, or achievements they make in life. But at, at some point, they all fail to give us a meaning in life. Or they all fail to be to us who God can be or who God is to us. And that's why... Peter says, repent, come back to God so that your sins are wiped out, that you may have times of refreshing. Augustine of Hippo from the 4th century, he puts it like this, prays like this. You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. So, what would have Peter preached if he was at Brunswaken today? He would have said, Jesus is risen. He wants to bless you by turning you back from things or ways that damage you to someone who loves you. And this is the good news, put simply. God has done something for us. This is something that 
I need to hear every day. All of us need to hear every day. If you, do not, you don't believe in this good news, if you haven't experienced this good news, this good relationship with Jesus Christ, then we invite you to come to Christ, to look to him, to look to the cross, and experience these times of refreshing. Or you may have walked backwards, you may have gone back from God. Let me encourage you to come back and experience these times of refreshing. Or you may be living a life enjoying God. And then let us go out and be witnesses of this great event in history, the resurrection of Jesus. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we are amazed at who you are. You came to us as a man. You put away your glory. You came down to earth for us because you loved us. And thank you for the cross. Thank you for wiping out our sins at the cross. We praise you for you are the risen one. You are the one who defeated death. And thank you for this privilege that we can call you our Lord, our King. Thank you for making us part of the kingdom. And thank you for the times of refreshing you have promised us and that you sent to us every day. Help us, Lord, to renew, renew us every day, Lord. Lord, thank you, Lord, for this great privilege to be your children, to experience your resurrection. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.